He found the guest book lying open on the piano, so he took out his pen and wrote down his name and address. There were only two other entries above his on the page, and as one always does with guest books, he started to read them. One was a Christopher Mulholland from Cardiff. The other was Gregory W. Temple from Bristol. That's funny, he suddenly thought. Christopher Mulholland. It rings a bell. Now where on earth had he heard that rather unusual name before? Was he a boy at school? No. Was it a friend of his father's? No. It wasn't any of those. He glanced down again at the book. Christopher Mulholland, 231 Cathedral Road, Cardiff. Gregory W. Temple, 27 Sycamore Drive, Bristol. As a matter of fact, now he came to think of it, he wasn't at all sure that the second name didn't have almost as much of a familiar ring about it as the first. Gregory Temple, he said aloud, searching his memory. Christopher Mulholland. Such charming boys, a voice behind him answered, and he turned and saw the landlady sailing into the room with a large silver tea tray in her hands. She was holding it well out in front of her, and rather high up, as though the tray were a pair of reins on a horse. They sound familiar. They do. How interesting. I'm almost positive I've heard those names somewhere before. Isn't that odd? Maybe it was in the newspapers. They weren't famous in any way, were they? I mean, famous tennis or soccer players or something like that. Famous, she said, setting the tea tray down on the low table in front of the sofa. Oh, no, I don't think they were famous, but... They were extraordinarily kind, both of them, I can promise you that. They were tall and young and handsome, my dear, just exactly like you. Once more, Billy glanced down at the book. Well, look here, he said, noticing the dates. Well, this last entry is over two years old. Is it? Yes, indeed, and, and Christopher Mulholland's is nearly a year before that. More than three years ago. Dear me, she said, shaking her head with a little sigh. I never would have thought it. How time does fly away from us all, doesn't it, Mr. Wilkins? It's Weaver. W-E-A-V-E-R. Oh, of course it is, she said, smiling. How silly of me. I do apologize. In one ear and out the other, that's me, Mr. Weaver. You know something? Something that's really quite extraordinary about all of this. No, dear, I don't. Well, you see, both of these names, Mulholland and, and Temple, I not only seem to remember each one of them separately, so to speak, but somehow or other... In some peculiar way, they both appear to be sort of connected together as well, as though they were both famous for the same sort of thing. How amusing. But come over here now, dear, and sit down beside me on the sofa, and I'll give you a nice cup of tea and a ginger biscuit before you go to bed. You really shouldn't bother. 
I didn't mean you to do anything like that. He stood by the piano, watching her as she fussed about with the cups and the saucers. He noticed that she had small, white, quickly moving hands and red fingernails. I'm almost positive. It was in the newspaper I saw them. I'll think of it. I'm sure I will. There is nothing more tantalizing than a thing like this which lingers just outside the border of one's memory. He hated to give up. Now, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Mahalan, Christopher Mulholland. Wasn't that the name of the Eaton schoolboy who was on a walking tour through the West Country and then all of a sudden milk? And sugar? Uh, yes, please. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Eaton schoolboy. Oh, no, my dear. That can't possibly be right because my Mr. Mulholland was certainly not an Eaton schoolboy when he came to me. He was a Cambridge undergraduate. Come over here now and sit next to me and warm yourself in front of this lovely fire. Come on. Your tea's all ready for you. She patted the empty place beside her on the sofa, and she sat there smiling at Billy, waiting for him to come over. He crossed the room slowly and sat down on the edge of the sofa. She placed his teacup on the table in front of him. There we are. How nice and cozy this is, isn't it? Billy started to sip his tea. She did the same. For half a minute or so, neither of them spoke. But Billy knew that she was looking at him. Her body was half turned towards him and he could feel her eyes watching him over the rim of her teacup. Now and again, he caught a whiff of a peculiar smell that reminded him. Well, he wasn't quite sure what it reminded him of. Pickled walnuts? Leather? Or was it the corridors of a hospital? Mr. Mulholland was a great one for his tea. Never in my life have I seen anyone drink as much tea as dear Mr. Mulholland. I suppose he left fairly recently, Billy said. He was still puzzling the two names about in his head. He was positive now that he had seen them in the newspaper, in the headlines. Left, she said, arching her brow. But my dear boy, he never left. He's still here. Mr. Temple is also here. They're on the third floor, both of them together. Billy set down his cup slowly on the table and stared at his landlady. She smiled back at him and then she put one of her white hands and patted him comfortably on the knee. How old are you, my dear? She asked. Seventeen. Oh, seventeen, what a wonderful age. Mr. Mulholland was also seventeen, but I think he was a trifle shorter than you. In fact, I'm sure he was, and his teeth weren't quite so white. You have the most beautiful teeth, Mr. Weaver. Did you know that? They're not as good as they look. They've got massive fillings in the back. Mr. Temple, oh, 
He was a little older. He was actually twenty-eight. And yet I never would have guessed it if he hadn't told me never in my whole life. There wasn't a blemish on his face or a single scar on his body. A what? His skin was perfect, like a baby's. There was a pause. Billy picked up his teacup and took another sip of his tea. And then he set it down again gently in its saucer. He waited for her to say something else, but she seemed to have gone into another of her silences. He sat there staring straight ahead of him into the far corner of the room, biting his lower lip. That parrot, you know something, it had me completely fooled when I first saw it through the window from the street. I could have sworn it was alive. Alas, no longer. It's most terribly clever the way it's been done. It doesn't look the least bit dead. Who did it? I did. You did? Of course. And have you met my little Basil as well? She nodded towards the dog curled up comfortably in front of the fire. Billy looked at it and suddenly he realized that this animal had all the time been just as silent and motionless as the parrot. He put out a hand and touched it gently on the top of its back. The back was hard and cold, and when he pushed the hair to one side with his fingers, he could see the skin underneath, a grayish black, dry, and perfectly preserved. Good gracious me, how absolutely fascinating! He turned away from the dog and stared with deep admiration at the little woman beside him on the sofa. It must be awfully difficult to do a thing like that. Oh, not in the least. I stuff all my pets when they pass away. Will you like another cup of tea? No, thank you. The tea tasted faintly of bitter almonds and Billy didn't care for it much. You did sign the book, didn't you? Uh, yes. That's good, because later on, if I happen to forget your name, then I can always come down here and look it up. I still do that almost every day with Mr. Mulholland and Mr. Mr. Temple. Gregory Temple. Excuse my asking, but... Haven't there been any other guests here except them in the last two or three years? Holding her teacup high in one hand, tilting her head slightly to the left, she looked up at him and gave him another gentle smile. No, my dear, only you.